your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello again, friends, and welcome to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you enjoyed this episode and want to stay tuned for the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, or catch up on previous episodes you might have missed, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Doing so is free, and make sure you never miss another episode. Tonight's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. On this episode, as promised, I thought I'd talk a little bit more about Vancouver versus Winnipeg. We covered the first period in yesterday's episode, and if you missed that, you know, you can check out the full breakdown in last night's episode towards the end. To be quite honest, there wasn't a whole lot to say. Both teams had a fairly even-ish first period. I think Vancouver probably had the slight edge in scoring opportunities, but generally speaking, both teams had to have some really great saves from their goaltenders, and most importantly, no one scored. So entering the second period, the Jets had a nothing-nothing tie to work with, and uh, when they came into the second period, I thought, well, maybe the Jets will wake up and maybe we'll get some lively action. Maybe the Jets will even take over this game. As we often know with Winnipeg, that didn't exactly happen. Um, Winnipeg kind of got slapped around for most of the second frame. I felt like the Jets were giving up plenty of high-scoring opportunities inside their own slot area, and they just really weren't able to skate out of their own end cleanly, which is not super shocking. I mean, the Jets' D and the forwards don't really have, like, a lot of defensive acumen. The sucky thing was that basically every line kind of got pasted. It didn't really feel like the Jets had enough speed or even skating stride to get out of their own end, and oftentimes they were just loosely turning over the puck, either when they were trying to exit with possession or passing it out along the walls or near the slot. So just not really a great mixture. All of the issues that have plagued the Jets over the past year or so, and, and really beyond this season, but you know specifically this past couple of years, you know we, we saw it against Vancouver, and I was very frustrated because I felt like the Jets... They just need to be better. You know, in these games in which you're playing Vancouver, a roster that's basically down their top scorer and frankly doesn't have that great of a defense, you don't really want to crap the bed. You can't go against the Canucks looking like you're you're basically getting saved by your goalie, but that's exactly what happened. Connor Hellebuck had to be extremely sharp. I don't remember what the expected goals for this period was, but honestly, it gave a ton of credit to Vancouver. I think it was close to like two to three goals Something along those lines, which for a single period is frankly ridiculous. It might have been a little too generous at times to Vancouver, but by the same token, the Jets basically gave a welcome mat in their own slot to allow, you know, the Canucks to basically run through them. We also know, though, that the Canucks occasionally have serious brain farts, and thankfully this is one of those games in which, you know, the Canucks basically crap the bed as well. The trouble started after a really dominant even-strength surge in the first couple of minutes of the period. They ended up taking a penalty, and Andrew Kopp tipped a, the puck from Neil Pionk to make it one nothing Winnipeg. Now, you know, after this early goal, Vancouver rallied, and the Jets again looked like they really couldn't do much at even-strength. And I thought, well, you know, a one nothing lead with the way Winnipeg is playing may not last, especially if Hellebuck isn't quite at his best, which he was still very, very good and looked as sharp as ever. But of course, you know, with how the Jets defend, it doesn't always matter. 
But then the Canucks took another penalty, and again, Andrew Kopp found himself on the doorstep, tapped one home, and made it 2-0. So, in just around 10 minutes of action in the second period, Vancouver went from looking absolutely dominant to suddenly finding itself in a two-goal deficit. And from there, the the wheels started to come off. They had a couple of decent minutes where they were definitely controlling even-strength play, but as the period started to wear on, you know, the, the Canucks just started to really struggle. And right before intermission, what ended up happening was that they gave up a counter to the top line. Uh, Paul Stastny drove towards the net with Blake Wheeler. Wheeler had the inside cut on the right side and just basically blew by Tyler Myers, who was out for an extended shift. Wheeler almost tucked it past Demko himself, but ended up basically laying it on a platter for Mark Scheifele to just roof home. So all in all, a really nice, well-worked goal from that first line. One of the rare even-strength goals that this line has produced this year. The thing with Scheifele, Stastny, and Wheeler is that when they're playing against teams where they don't have to worry so much about a lot of top-end speed, this line is extremely effective around the goal-mouth area. They have some of the best distribution and chance creation when it comes down to down-low play. It's just that if you expose them to more higher speed counters and things, and especially defensive zone coverages on counters, it's not exactly a pretty scenario. That line definitely lacks a lot of foot speed to track back in defense, and it also struggles to get up the ice in transition. Nevertheless, despite the Jets kind of getting shelled, they held a 3-0 lead as they went into the intermission, which is super funny because I didn't really expect the Jets to be in such a firm position to take the game after having such a really bad start to the second period. This is one of those games where I just sort of laugh a little bit because I felt like the Jets definitely did not deserve to be in the lead, and frankly, I think Vancouver was probably unfortunate, especially in the second period, but sometimes you just take what you can get with this Jets team because I feel like if I set expectations way too high, I'm never going to be satisfied, and I feel like Winnipeg, that's kind of where they are. In comparison with previous seasons, I felt like I've set my expectations on the floor for this team, to be honest, because... I'm just at the stage where, like, I don't even know what to really think about their plan. I don't really know what direction the Jets intend to take. It seems like there's a mismanagement and a lack of awareness on being on the same page between the GM and the coaching staff, and it's just not really a great situation, so I have to find joy in it somewhere. And watching Winnipeg kind of troll Vancouver with Hellebuck and some really fluky goals that are frankly not super fluky because that, that second power play unit, after getting a healthy dose of the first power play unit, both of those units are very good together and, and definitely overwhelm a lot of teams that have really good PK units. So overall, you know, there are good and valid reasons as to why the Jets were able to punch home three goals. But by the same token, this isn't exactly a game where you watch it and you think, yeah, that's really sustainable progress and something that you would expect the Jets to do over and over again. They can do it over like small sample sizes, a small sample size probably being a season or so, but beyond that, you start running into issues, and we've already seen that once Winnipeg finds itself in a deficit, you know, teams like Edmonton have shown the route to shutting down Winnipeg through the neutral zone, just clog the entire area, and don't let Winnipeg try to do any of their really crappy breakouts. That said, you know, I'm just going to have to be satisfied, a 3 nothing period in which the Jets were not really dominant, in fact they were getting shelled, they were dominated completely, but they still had the, you know, the three goal lead because of Hellebuck and, and some good power play stuff, I guess I can't really complain that much. It did leave me curious as to how this game would end up resolving itself. In just a moment, we'll look through the rest of this game and try and give some closing thoughts before talking about the overall implications and maybe previewing a little bit of Winnipeg's upcoming schedule. But before then, I wanted to tell you a little bit about why BetOnline.ag needs to be your one-stop shop for all your online betting needs. When it comes to the wild west of online betting, it's hard to know who you can trust and which sites are actually reliable. That's why you need look no further than BetOnline.ag. 
BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football may be over, but the NBA, college basketball, NHL, international soccer, and so many other fantastic sports are all in full swing. Not into sports? No problem. BetOnline even has your back with awards, TV shows, and reality TV betting. Featuring real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Whether you want to place a bet on the next Stanley Cup champion, or who's getting voted off your favorite reality TV show next. BetOnline also has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds you need to make the most informed bets possible. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. To get started, go on over to betonline.ag on your desktop or your mobile device, and when you register for a very free account, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get in on the action today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. If you're a longtime listener of this podcast, then by now you know that I'm personally a huge fan of the Built Bar. If for some reason you have no idea what I'm talking about, then you're in for a huge surprise. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market, and it's amazingly low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, and best of all, it tastes absolutely delicious. It's more like a candy bar, and it's coated in 100% chocolate all the time. When you really think about it though, for as many beautiful and wonderful flavors of Built Bar as there are out in the great wide world, there can only be one truly greatest flavor, and now it's time for you to help decide which Built Bar flavor reigns supreme. Welcome to Built Bar Madness, the tastiest bracket challenge in March. To cast your vote, go to BuiltBar.com slash pages slash brackets every weekday and get your vote in. Today's matchup is Mint Brownie versus Coconut Puffs. Because this is a Puffs flavor, I have to immediately say Coconut Marshmallow is going to win it for me. I love these flavors. I think that the Coconut Marshmallow Puff in the middle is just fantastic. The texture's great. The flavor's perfect. That gets my vote, but you can cast your own vote at BuiltBar.com slash pages slash brackets. And while you're there, be sure to stock up on Built Bar flavors and use promo code LOCKED15 at checkout to receive 15% off your next order. Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are recapping Winnipeg versus Vancouver in what was a very eventful game as the uh, the second period sort of wore on. We're now moving on to the third period with a 3-0 lead for the Jets, but before we go any further, here's why Locked on Today needs to be in your daily podcast rotation. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked on Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked on Today podcast wherever you get your favorite shows. And now getting to talk about Winnipeg's third period, which wasn't quite as bad as the second period. In fact, Winnipeg was probably a lot more ambitious, especially with the Canucks basically breaking down and looking a little bit slower. With a 3-0 lead in hand, you'd imagine that the Jets probably weren't going to blow this one. Although I say that, and I do get a little bit nervous because at times, when it comes to the Jets with a lead... Yeah, we know how this team is. They've they've blown some decent margins before. You know, usually like a two-goal lead with this team is not super safe, especially, you know, their opponents score a goal and all of a sudden the Jets kind of enter like a collapsing mode and then there's an empty net situation and, and of course the opponents end up tying it and then Winnipeg has to pull it out of the fire in overtime. As you can guess, I have a lot of very painful memories of the Jets finding increasingly you know, convoluted ways to break our hearts. I think Winnipeg is one of the best teams when it comes to blowing some sort of goal advantage. But thankfully, on this day, that was not to be. The Jets held on, and in fact, when the goalie was pulled for Vancouver with around five minutes remaining in the period, Andrew Kopp completed his first ever career hat trick. Congrats, Copper, you deserved it. It was a pretty cool performance. Andrew just seems to get into the right positions at times, and when he's on, you know, one of these hot streaks where everything just seems to find him in the exact right spot, especially down low, the guy is absolutely ruthless. The really funny thing is that he often does struggle to finish on goal-scoring opportunities when he's actually just shooting the puck himself, but when he can just shovel it in or finds himself into good spaces, I feel like that's the best approach for him. As long as he's in those right predatory spots to poach goals, that's what you're looking for for a guy with this sort of skill set. And then, of course... 
not long after the empty netter, in fact a little over a minute and a half or so, he ends up getting his fourth goal of the game on a really nice counter rush for the third line. It just seems like Vancouver kind of quit, and Andrew completes a four-goal game, which is one of the very few in NHL history. It doesn't really happen very often. I believe he is actually the sixth player to do it. Uh, so all in all, just a really impressive performance for Cop, and definitely a, a big change for him. He's uh, he's had a rough season, generally speaking. That third line overall really hasn't been winning the same kinds of matchups that it traditionally does. And both Cop and Lowry in particular seem like they aren't quite as good as they're, they're used to. So very impressive to see him doing well. I was happy that he got his nice little hat trick. A four-goal performance is just gravy. The only thing that did slightly suck was that, with about a minute or so remaining, the Jets ended up finally conceding a goal. Connor Hellebuck had no real chance on a, a Niels Hoglander rebound opportunity, so I'm a little bit annoyed that the team couldn't clear the crease. Hellebuck would have been, you know, super deserving of two back-to-back shutouts, especially with his body of work against Vancouver throughout all of that game and in the first game. But it is what it is. Certainly, it's just a personal accomplishment, and it would have been fantastic for Winnipeg to completely blank the, the Canucks in both games. But it is what it is. You expect that at some point the Canucks will probably score. They'd already hit like three or four posts in this game as well. So, you know, no real complaints. Um, as far as this entire game is concerned, I will say that there are concerns in terms of Winnipeg's ability to dictate the play of the game. I felt like in the first game, they at least did actually start to control that one, especially late. In the second game, it was a lot looser. I felt like the Jets weren't particularly great defensively. The, uh, the Morrissey-Pullman pairing absolutely got demolished. The first line was, you know, pretty decent in the second game. Um, the third line definitely got buried too. And like the second line was solid. I'd say it was was decent enough to, to get by. But overall, I just feel like this team... I don't know. It's it's hard to really get a read on where the Jets are this year because on the one hand, they have these games where they actually outplay their opponents on on the whole of it, but you look at the way that they're trying to create opportunities and stuff and it doesn't really feel like the Jets are ever in, in any real danger of actually finishing on their chances. Maybe it's just me, but I feel like this team often comes down to how much, you know, Connor Hellebuck and Nikolai Ehlers are feeling it. The rest of the team, I'm just not really getting the same kinds of vibes that I'd like that, you know, from a team that I really consider uh, something of a contender. And some of that is in fact tactical, but some of it also just seems to be this lineup is kind of in a weird spot right now where it's it's still pretty darn talented, but it's maybe not as deep as it's used to being. And I feel like the Jets probably do need to find a finisher from somewhere to plug into some like top nine minutes. If, if Connor Garland, again, is one of those guys that the Jets could reach out to and potentially acquire, I'd be all for it. He's the exact kind of player archetype that I think Winnipeg is currently missing. And, and of course, the Jets definitely need a defender, but I, I think a guy like Garland might be a little bit more realistic. I don't know how how much it's worth to try and go for like a, a top pairing rental for a season and a half or so and somebody like Ekholm, maybe it's worth it. I don't know. With how the Jets play, I always kind of wonder if a guy who activates really aggressively is actually going to do that well with the system. The trade deadline is looming ahead though, so I'm sure Winnipeg will have some kind of a move in the upcoming weeks. We'll find out more as the season wears on. Hopefully we see some Dylan Sandberg or Vili Heinola. But that does wrap up our, our coverage of this particular game. Up next, we'll take a look at Winnipeg's upcoming schedule and what I think the Jets might end up coming out of this with and whether or not they're really a lock to make the postseason. Before we get too ahead of ourselves, though, I did want to let you know a little bit about why rockauto.com should be the only place you buy your auto parts from. For a lot of us who do our online auto part shopping, most of us are probably not experts. We might know what we're looking for, but we might not know the best prices to pay. If you're anything like me and enjoy saving time and money, then stop messing around and go to rockauto.com. rockauto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their easy-to-use, intuitive website allows you to sort by make, year, and model for your vehicle and set a price range filter so you'll always get the parts that you need at the prices you want. 
Whether you're looking for a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, rockauto.com's diverse catalog is sure to have what you need in stock. And best of all, you can save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick and mortar in-store pricing. So why shop anywhere else? rockauto.com has zero membership fees and all customers always pay the same prices no matter their experience level or walk of life place your order at rockauto.com today and when you do be sure to write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need visit rockauto.com today welcome to these uh, closing thoughts on tonight's episode of locked on winnipeg jets we recapped the uh, the game against the vancouver canucks which had some mixed results despite a really nice scoreline the jets probably you know, maybe deserve to split the series, to be honest, but thankfully Connor Hellebuck is amazing, and Andrew Kopp sometimes decides, yeah, I'm going to drop a four-goal game. So, with the Canucks now in the rearview mirror, we're also going to be taking a look at another uh, formerly Pacific Division Canadian team coming from Alberta, and this is the Calgary Flames for three games. Now, uh, the Calgary Flames are in a really strange spot. This is a team that fired head coach, I think it was Jeff Ward, a couple of weeks ago, and now they've got Daryl Sutter. Sutter is definitely an improvement upon Jeff Ward, but I think the problem with the Flames is that fundamentally something just seems to be wrong with that team, and I don't know what it is. They, I believe they lost to the Ottawa Senators a couple of days ago, and now, you know, it just seems like the Flames are in a really bad spot. There's a couple of ways that this series could go down. It's either a really easy one for the Jets because Calgary is in super desperation mode, but they're not really at a stage where they can actually compete with a team like the, the Jets, especially against Connor Hellebuck, or Winnipeg, you know, the Jets have been flagging lately and they haven't really been up to their best, so maybe... This is a time for the Flames to kind of claw back in this series, claw back into the standings, and take a couple of points off the Jets. I think the most likely scenario is that Winnipeg goes 2-1 and one against Calgary. I think the Flames are going to really struggle to uh, create a lot of consistent offense, and even when they actually create a lot of scoring opportunities and chances, I think Connor Hellebuck's going to be a really good rocket net, and certainly Laurent Persuade will get a game in between. This series does start off with a very late back-to-back, though, so maybe this is a, a critical factor in how Winnipeg is going to come out throughout the next couple of games. I feel like a 10 p.m. start time for both days, 9 p.m. your local time in Winnipeg, I don't know if that's going to be a problem for the Jets. Um, certainly on consecutive nights, it's not great, uh, and you don't really want these teams playing in the wee hours of the morning, but that's kind of what our, our, our lot in life is with the Jets. And then Winnipeg is back home against the Toronto Maple Leafs starting next Wednesday, and then we see a little bit of Canucks action, and then, you know, Jets are going to have Canadians and Sens again. So over the next couple of games, it's going to be pretty busy. Uh, Winnipeg is facing some a little bit of desperation in these opponents. For the Maple Leafs, they're in pretty good straights as far as like a, a top you know, two spot is concerned. They should be the class of the North, whatever that means. But as far as the Jets are concerned, I think Winnipeg is in a pretty good spot to make the postseason. I don't really see many teams getting ahead of them. Certainly they can put uh, most of their opponents down below them in the standings, really push the Flames further back, and then kind of hurt the Canucks too. The Jets will definitely want to win against the, the Habs on the road as well so that they can kind of push push Montreal into deeper straights. I think the Habs are still a very strong team and certainly a squad you don't want to, want to underestimate, but I think in a playoff series, the Jets would probably prevail because Carey Price is not somebody that I have a lot of faith in. And Jake Allen, while he can be pretty good, you know, I don't know if they'll end up moving him in, in favor of having Price start. The Jets, though, they're kind of in a strange spot. I don't really know how I feel about them because despite having like a 20 and 11-ish record, I feel like the Jets... I don't know. They're a strange squad. They're second in the North with a game in hand on, on Edmonton, but I feel like at any point the wheels could kind of come off with this, with this team if, if like Hellebuck or Brassois starts to struggle. And you basically have to hope that the rest of the North also continues to struggle. I feel like aside from Edmonton and Toronto, none of these teams really bother the Jets all that much. Uh, most of these squads are just not that good. Montreal still has a couple of games in hand to figure out whether or not 
they're really in this playoff race, but we've got, you know, around 23 games left for the Jets to figure out whether or not they're going to be a playoff squad and somebody that thinks they're a contender. Hellebuck has certainly done a great job to mask their deficiencies, but I don't know if it's something that can continue, and I am suspicious if the Jets face Edmonton in the postseason like it looks like they will, I do worry that the Jets are going to start to struggle there too. I'd be curious to know your thoughts on the matter, so be sure to let me know at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. Let me know if you think the Jets are playoff bound and if they can actually beat the Oilers in the postseason. That will do it for tonight's show though. Before you log off, be sure to check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Get the upper hand in your fantasy league with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long Dynasty and DFS leagues. Follow the Locked on Fantasy Hockey podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!